we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you'll turn over there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll be looking at some other verses as well. Mother's Day is always a difficult day for um, a preacher, because sometimes we just don't know how to preach a good Mother's Day message. Um, and it's not difficult because there's not texts that deal with that, and you can relate scriptural principles as we're going to do today. But it's hard sometimes to preach a Mother's Day message because while Mother's Day can be a very blessed time, a very happy time, a very joyous time for a lot of folks, um, on the other hand, it can also be a very sad day. It can be a, a day filled with pain and grief. Um, not everyone looks forward to Mother's Day. Um, maybe you recently lost your mother. Maybe you're experiencing the pain of that loss. Maybe you're a mother who's lost a child and your heart grieves on Mother's Day. Maybe you're having difficulties with your own mother. And maybe your mom wasn't the most ideal mother we all like to preach about. And maybe you have bad memories of your mother as you sit here this morning. Maybe you're a mom here who feels guilty about your own motherhood. Maybe you have problems with your kids or marriage problems. Maybe you're a woman here today who has never been able to have children. And Mother's Day isn't necessarily a joyous occasion for you. Maybe you've never had a real mother. Maybe you were raised in a foster home or by close relatives. Maybe you're here today and you're a single mom. And you're struggling with how to be a good mother to your children. The fact of the matter is simply that every home is not like the Cleavers. <laughs> every home is not like the Brady Bunch or Father Knows Best or Ozzy and Harriet. Probably a lot of the families are more like the Ozzy Osbourne family, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but some of us, some of you have been raised in good Christian homes and you have wonderful parents and you are wonderful parents and for that we commend you here this morning and I thank God for his influence and we should all thank God, amen? If it wasn't for him, it would be utterly lost. But today I want to encourage each of you, especially the mothers, and I think these principles that we're going to look at can apply not just to moms, so dads, you're safe here this morning too. You can not zone out, but you can apply the principles that we're going to cover. But I think it, it speaks particularly to mothers because everyone has either, they either have a mother, they had a mother, they are a mother, or they're married to a mother, or at least they know a mother. I mean, motherhood has affected all of us to some degree in some way or another. And so today I want to look at the mom's priorities. Um, you know, the images of mom changes over time. And uh, I've read this before, but I just think it's cute. Four-year-olds say, my mommy can do anything. Eight-year-olds say, 
My mom knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve-year-olds say, my mom doesn't really quite know everything. (laughs) By 14 years of age, they're saying, naturally, mother doesn't know that either. At 16, they're saying, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. At 18, that old woman, she's way out of date. At 25, well, she might know a little bit about that. At 35, before we decide, let's, let's get mom's opinion. At 45, I wonder what mom would have thought about it. And at 65, I sure wish I could have talked this over with mom. Sometimes the images of our mothers change with time. But Mother's Day is a beautiful time to remember and to celebrate the women who have given birth, nurtured their children, and left a profound legacy of Christ-likeness. But Mother's Day, as I said, covers the gamut of emotions. And uh, sometimes uh, it's not that easy for a lot of people. Laura Ingalls Wilder said this, Lessons learned at a mother's knee last through life. She also said, The mother is and must be, whether she knows it or not, the greatest, strongest, and most lasting teacher her children have. There's one proverb that says, One mother achieves more than a hundred teachers. Wise President Abraham Lincoln said, The greatest lessons I've ever learned were learned on my mother's knees. Thomas Edison, great inventor, said, I did not have my mother long, but she cast over me an influence which has lasted all my life. The good effects of her early training I can never lose. If, I had not been, if it had not been for her appreciation and her faith in me at a critical time in my experience, I should never likely have become an inventor. I was always a careless boy. And with a mother of different spiritual caliber, I should have turned out badly. But her firmness, her sweetness, her goodness were the potent powers to keep me on the right path. My mother was the making of me. Now, as we turn our hearts to God's word, 2 Timothy is reminding us, Paul is reminding us, of Timothy's godly heritage with which he was blessed. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Paul writes, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. God had performed this genuine work in Timothy's life, through his mother, Eunice, and also through his grandmother, Lois. A little background on Eunice. She was a single mom in a very scary world. She was a Jewish believer in Jesus. She had been married to a Greek unbeliever who either left her or died. We don't know. Acts 16.1 speaks of that. Then, like today, raising a child in a single-parent home, it's no picnic. 
Some of you have gone through that experience. Yet there are times of compensation. There are times of blessing. There's a little story of a boy that invaded the dress department at a local department store. And he said to the salesperson, I have to buy my mom a dress for Mother's Day, but I don't know what size she is. And the sales clerk said, well, is she tall or short, fat or skinny? And the boy said, well, she's just perfect. So she wrapped up a size 8 dress for him. And the story says two days later, mom came in and exchanged the dress for a size 16. (laughs) See, in that little boy's mind, his mom was perfect in every way. And Eunice here, this, her little boy Timothy, was the kind of compensation, and it became an even greater one, not just to her, but to the Lord, as he was used by God. And there are a lot of good reasons that he became such a man of God, Timothy. Uh, her priorities were learned at her mother's knee, Lois, and then she passed them on to her son, Timothy. Um, you know, the, we, we, th- we live in a world today where basically the values of money, position, power, and fame are the values that people chase after. And those things are all going to be gone one day. Those things are not going to last. I mean, all you have to do is look at a lineup of popular shows on TV. American Idol, The Voice, Survivor, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, all these things. Seek after fame, fortune. And so Mother's Day is a good day to review a mother's priorities with her own children. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. And we find that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you look over there, verses 14 to 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Let me read this for you and you can follow along in your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Paul was writing this message to this young pastor, Timothy, which he really took under his wing to disciple and to train. He was a pastor in training. And so when you look at what Paul shares with him, this young little protege, pastor coming along, Paul has just given his own testimony of faithful service. And now he directs his personal challenge to this disciple of his named Timothy. Paul calls his young friend to be faithful to Jesus, to be faithful to his word while he walks in the world. Um, And the world back then was not much different than the world today. The world today we live in is 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 a world that's prone to evil, because it's inhabited by 
deceived and deceitful people, sinful people. And each of us is aware of the fact that there's dangerous traps out there of deception. And unless we diligently obey the scriptures, what God tells us to do, the principles that he shares with us, we are susceptible to such traps from the enemy. And scripture really stands as this foundation for truth. And so that brings me to the first point here. The first priority as a mother that you should have concerning your children is a strong foundation. A strong foundation. The sustaining influence on Timothy is tracked back to his early home life when he was younger. Timothy's mother gave him a solid foundation for living life. And what was that foundation? See, if you don't give your children a solid foundation on the Word of God, they're going to be deceived by the deception of this world. And that's really what he points out here. Look at verse um, 13 there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says, However, you continue in what you've been instructed. He had a foundation upon which his mother uh, built for him of the Scriptures. See, as we're taught the Word of God, we grow better and better through grace. We don't grow perfect, but we grow better and better. Those without the Word of God, those without the grace of God in their life, the Bible clearly says that they grow worse and worse through the counsel of Satan, through the bondage of their own sin, their own corruption. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the way of sin slopes downhill. Moving people from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And those who deceive others open themselves up to deception. And so the the exhortation here is to continue in the things that Timothy had learned and become convinced of. If you look at first first uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen, the apostle Paul lets us know what's important there for him. What does he want Timothy to be convinced of? I'm sure that this rang true in Timothy's ear as Paul was instructing him. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach to you which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, what? If you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Unless you believed in vain. See, he knew the the character, he knew the quality of life in those who had been taught the scriptures, those who had been taught God's word. And he held that up as a non-negotiable. If you want to have a positive influence on your child's life, if you want to see them used by God in in a wonderful way, lay down a strong foundation of God's word. It's, it's important for us to, to realize that he alludes here to Timothy's mother and, and grandmother as well as, as others. When he says, you know what, whom 
has been teaching you. It's not just one person. And that's the teachings that Timothy had in his life. He had teachings from the Christian mother. He had teachings from his grandmother, probably. He had Paul's own teaching, his own testimony. And he also had the Holy Scriptures. And so we need to make sure, moms, that we're instilling God's truth in our children. And as you teach the Holy writings, the Holy Scriptures to your, your children, they will take root in their lives. It's something they can fall back on. They just rebuilt a house behind us there on Jeddah, and my son-in-law, Will, was talking to the owner the other day over the fence, and he came back and he said, yeah, he goes, to, she was telling me when they started remodeling that house, that old rickety house, they, they basically started taking pieces of it off and they were going to just fix it. And they got down to the foundation and they had an inspector come out and they said, this can't be fixed. You can't fix your foundation. You got to rip the whole thing out and start over fresh. And that was obviously a surprise to them because they thought, you know, what was going to be this bill became a very, very large bill. But they reconstructed a whole house there because the foundation wasn't solid. It wasn't firm. It wasn't true. And so we need to instill that foundation of truth and God's word in our children. And as they grow, they can draw faith from the word of God that you've instilled in them. He, Timothy, found these sources from three places. They're listed. But there's a lot of different places, whether it's a Christian school or Sunday school or church, that your children can find spiritual truth to be instilled in their lives. And so his complete confidence in these sources would be enough to prevent any slippage to his commitment to the truth. His mom taught her son the scriptures at a very young age. Uh, Back in that culture, Jewish boys started formal instruction in the scriptures at age five. Learning at home started much earlier. Don't ever think it's your, your child's too young to learn the scriptures. Our nursery workers are encouraged to, you know what, Use that time to to speak the Word of God into these young people's lives over there in in the nursery. They can't even talk yet. But we encourage them to do so. Because they they can become a foundation in their life. There was a mother by the name of Susanna Wesley. She had 19 children. Duggars had nothing on on her. What is more, the the mother was the mother of Charles and John Wesley. I'm sure you know who they are. Incredible influence on Christianity through their music and their teaching. But it's said that she took each child aside for an hour every week to discuss and teach with them the principles of spiritual living. Now remember, she had 19 children. (laughs) That's quite a task. And you see the fruit. These two sons touched two continents for Christ as a result of her commitment. 
If you want your children to have eternal values in an increasingly deceptive world, I have two pieces of advice. Bring them to church on Sunday. Allow them to go to Sunday school personally. And then secondly, personally help them to apply what they learn in church. See, if they just come here and they go to Sunday school or they sit in the singing part and hear a message and they go home and you, you're not talking to your children about it, it's in, in one ear and out the other. We need to make personal application of what we're hearing from God's truth. And moms, nobody will make you do this. <laughs> nobody makes you do this. Matter of fact, it's the opposite in our society today. God is removed from public places. The school's religious teaching basically consists of humanism for the most part. Um, Your child has little chance of growing up to be like Timothy, having any kind of Christian values at all, unless you teach him. And dads, it goes for you as well. But with all the demands on our society, in our society today, it's just another pressure. It's just another burden. Oh, man, you just load me down here with guilt this morning. I mean, when do single mothers and working mothers have time for, you know, Mrs. Wesley's form of mothering? <laughs> I mean, I got three kids, and, you know, I couldn't take one of them, one of them aside um, for an hour a week. Maybe that's what you're saying to yourself. Well, I want you to relax. This isn't a guilt trip. This isn't meant to make you feel bad. But I want you to know that if you make God's word a priority in your own life, just do it yourself and simply live it before your children. You know what? You're going to be teaching them. And be ready to answer the questions when they ask. On the other hand, if you don't live out the word of God, if you don't bother to teach it to them, they will learn what you live. A child who sees his mother carry a Bible to church every week but never open it the rest of the the week, what are you teaching that child? You're teaching him that, well, Christianity is just for Sunday. (laughs) It doesn't apply to the other days. So that strong foundation on the Word of God has to be instilled at a very young age. Secondly, priority number two, a Savior. Look at verse 15. We grasp from verse 15 that it was while Timothy's mother and grandmother were teaching him the sacred writings, they introduced him to Jesus as his Lord and Savior. It says there, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And scriptures basically imply that Timothy's salvation occurred prior to his acquaintance with Paul. Uh, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, it says, To Timothy, my true child in the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 2 and 5, it says, To Timothy, my beloved child, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And then in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul also came to Derbe and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. The simple study of Scripture did not save Timothy. That's not what saved Timothy. It's not 
a matter of just your kid memorizing a bunch of verses, as well as that may be. If they can't understand what those verses mean, we got a problem. The Scriptures bring salvation only when one places his or her faith in Christ Jesus. You don't sleep with your Bible under your pillow thinking that somehow that's going to make you more spiritual or make you a Christian. And so this lady Eunice led her son Timothy to know the Lord Jesus Christ. She taught him about Jesus and expected that he would come to a knowledge of the Savior at a young age. I'm really convinced that home is the best place for a child to embrace his faith. Let it happen in the home. Because who knows that child better than the parents, the mother, the father? And as a mother, you should anticipate, you should pray for, you should be available to lead that child to Christ. When they ask questions that have eternal consequences in the balance, we should take time to answer the questions from the Scriptures and expect the Lord to bring them to himself. Mrs. Wesley is said to have prayed one hour every day for her children. It didn't say an hour for each kid, (laughs) just so you know. That would be a long prayer time. But she was strict in 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 her mothering skills, but she was unselfishly faithful. I just want to share with you, Mom, six rules for her teaching her children the priority of, of the Savior. First of all, she wrote down, subdue self-will in a child. That's the first step. You have to subdue the self-will of the child. Today, we don't necessarily understand that. Everybody's got a right to act the way they act, and you know, who are you to tell me what to do? Um, I touched on that a couple weeks ago. God has called you to be their parents first, their friends second. Sometimes your kids are not going to like you because of the disciplinary actions or the consequences, whatever it might be. They may not like you, but you're not there just to be liked. You're there to be respected as their parents. Secondly, teach them to pray as soon as they can speak. What a wonderful thing. Show them the importance of prayer. Thirdly, give them nothing that they cry for, but only what is good for them when they ask politely. How many times as parents do we seek to subdue a crying child by giving them something that they're screaming for? That just nurtures disrespect of you as their parent. Fourthly, punish no fault confessed. But let no sinful act go unnoticed. It's a great opportunity to teach your children the idea of forgiveness and confession. And then fifthly, she said, reward good behavior. Reward good behavior. And the last thing she said, strictly observe all promises that you have made to your child. That's so important. If you make a promise to to your, your child, you better keep it. 
And so you see the, the love of this mother up close, personal. The, and children will learn that love. They'll learn the love of the Father, which is heaven. And so ever since childhood, here Timothy was being taught the Word of God. And it's the Word of God that really makes us wise to the way of salvation. And parents, I would just say be, be patient with your kids and their salvation. Don't force them. Every night, don't be asking them, well, do you want to be saved? You can say this prayer and you'll be saved. Don't cheapen it. Let God do his work in their heart as you're faithful to parent parent them and raise them in the nurture of the Lord. Because Scripture tells us that it gives us understanding as to the way of salvation and sanctification so that we can grow spiritually. So a strong foundation, number one. Number two, be praying and leading them to the Savior. And then the third priority here is the priority of Scripture. It says in verses 15 and 16. Look at verse 15 again. And from the childhood you have known the sacred writings. I mean, so many times our, our homes are filled with multiple Bibles in multiple languages sometimes. And yet we never crack one open. The Word of God doesn't have a priority in the believers' lives today. And we need to make that more of a priority. Not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday night. Not just when you're hurting and you need some comfort. You know, the Word of God should be an instrument in which God trains us and teaches us each and every day. That's what happened in Timothy's life. Sacred writings, the Word of God, the Scriptures. You can think of that as all just synonyms. They're all the same. It means the same. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. The Scriptures are the Word of God written. Here they're called the sacred writings. And it's really the parents' sacred duty to instruct their children in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are what bring us to salvation, to sanctification. Without them, we wouldn't have, we'd have very little significant knowledge of who Jesus was. I know growing up in the, the, the church that I grew up in, I didn't have a lot of teaching on these scriptures. I learned a lot about the church and the traditions and things like that. And it was probably just me. <laughs> it wasn't that they weren't teaching and I wasn't listening. But Paul had noted that the scriptures are able to make one wise with regard to salvation. And that's a lesson that Timothy had learned here. And Paul wanted to reemphasize that to Timothy. He wanted him to understand that. And so Paul reminds him in verse 16 about what scripture is all about. He says in verse 16, remember, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's literally the Word of God. This is not just another novel that you can pick up and read cover to cover and say, okay, that's good, I'm done with that. Next. It's a living Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God. And he says they're given by the inspiration of God. That means God breathed. That's literally what that means. And it's profitable, he says there, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. 
The writings of Paul are very distinguishable from those of Matthew. And the, the, the writings of Matthew are very distinguishable from those of Mark. Or Mark from Luke. But on the other hand, they're all the Word of God. They're all given to us as the Word of God. And we're to study them and apply them to our lives. That's why in the very next verse, in in chapter 1, Paul starts off, I charge you in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. And then he says, what? Preach the word. Preach the word. Teach the word. Preach the word to your kids. Teach it to your kids. Live the word before your kids. Let them see that it's had an effect on you. And that they can be affected by it as well. And we need to trust that, you know what, as we do that as parents, somehow God is going to take that and instill that foundation that's needed in their lives. And it's never too late to start that. It's never too late. Are you busy? Sure you're busy. But don't ever forget the priority and the importance of Scripture in your child's life. And then the last thing here quickly, service. The priority number four, service. He says in verses 16 to 17 that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Uh, Paul clearly states here his firm convictions about the unique role of scriptures in our lives. And he says there that it's, it's useful, it's profitable. He uses words like that. It's not just a book that you sit on the shelf and when you feel down, you, you break it out and read it. Uh, Paul says here, no, Timothy, make sure that you apply this to every area of your life. Uh, The Word of God is to be the source of doctrine or teaching that we get about God and His truth. We don't need to go to the Christian bookstore and read a book on parenting. We need to read God's Word, maybe, first of all. Not that you can't be helped by other books, but let's, let's go to the source first. Because that's what he says here is profitable. For reproof, for rebuking, for correction. I like the acronym concerning Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what the Bible is. It's basic instructions for the Christian before leaving earth. God gave it to us. We should treasure it. We should study it. Um... And it will help you as parents lay that foundation for your children. Just read Psalm 119 over and over and over again. It tells us about the preciousness of God's word. It leads us in the straight, the narrow way. Um, God's breathed scripture trains us. Gives us training in righteousness, it says. It's so important that we understand these things as parents. It's so important that we understand them as as mothers. Because it's really your role 
A lot of times the moms are the ones that spend the most time with their children. Obviously the dad is a spiritual leader in the home. We pray that. But, but the mom has a significant influence on the lives of her children. And so you don't need to be cra- uh, grasping at straws trying to figure out what do I do? What do I do? Go to God's word and just communicate it to your children. He'll bless you as a result of that. Bottom line or the end result of this is service. I mean, what a joy to sit back and to, to take the painstaking time to lay down that foundation, to make sure that your children know the Lord, to make sure that the Scripture is a priority in their life, only to see them turn around and want to serve the Lord. I mean, th- that excites me when I see young people who want to serve the Lord, even in our own church, as small as we are. You know, some people say, well, do you have a youth ministry here? No, but we have ministering youth. <laughs> and I like that. I like the idea that, you know what? We have young people in the back that help. We have young people over in fellowship time that help. You know, we don't have to entertain these kids. Not that, you know, youth groups are bad. I mean, hey, God willing, whatever. But at this point in time, it's kind of exciting to me to see that, you know what? God is, is using our young people right here. And they're learning firsthand how to serve God. And that's, that's exciting. Because that's really the end product in all this. We're not just here to raise a bunch of kids that say yes when they're asked a Christian question. I want them to understand how to defend their faith. I want them to how to live out their faith. I want them to understand what it means to serve their Lord, their Savior. So when they do go off to college, you know, they don't go down the wrong road, that they're firm in their foundation for Christ. So these, these things are given to us, mothers, dads, as principles, as priorities that we can really nurture our children with. And I think one of the best legacies that we can leave our children is not necessarily to, to leave them a pile of money or possessions or anything like that, but to leave them a good name, a good example. And that's what Eunice did here. Her reputation really replicated itself in her son. And Paul had no trouble discipling this young man. Eunice served as his mother and Timothy followed. And that should be the the goal in our lives. That as we serve Christ, people choose to follow us. People desire to become more Christ-like. The great Baptist preacher, a lot of you know who he is, G. Campbell Morgan. He had four sons. They all became preachers. At a family reunion, a friend asked one of his sons, which Morgan is the greatest preacher? And with his eyes beaming with delight, the son looked over to his father and said, Well, everybody knows it's mother. (laughs) Let me just close. Mom, I just want to ask you a question. Is Is your child ready to serve God? Are you preparing that son or that daughter with Scripture? Learned by both of you at church, Juana, whatever you go to? Is it practiced in the home? Are you leading that child to the Savior? Are you training that child into his service? 
Or is he unmotivated, ill-equipped, undirected, unprepared? Ask yourself this question. What will your child say when the world, the peer pressure of this world and the culture of, of Christlessness challenges his faith? When a child is born, there's always two emotions, at least two. There's great joy. My baby's here, finally. And then there's, oh my, (laughs) what do I do now? (laughs) As wonderful as being a a mother is, it's just that scary to raise a child today. There's a lot of different resources out there. Everyone from Dr. Spark to Dr. Ruth has a book on this stuff. And we're bombarded with suggestions And authority figures everywhere from people like Oprah to Joyce Brothers, they all speak on these things. You might say, what am I to do? Where am I to start? I would say this, dump all the trends, dump all the fads, hold on tightly to the Word of God. Use that as your instruction manual. Become a godly woman. Become a godly mother. And when you have that foundation, your kids come to know the Savior They understand the importance of Scripture and they're serving their Lord and Savior. You can sit back and thank God for that. You know, mother and father are not just honorary titles. They're really not. They're working job descriptions. And those priorities, if you have them in the right place in your own lives, will help that take place. I saw a little cartoon in the Saturday Evening Post thing. And uh, it was a young boy, about five or six. And he was talking on the phone. And in the little bubble it said, Mom is at the hospital. The twins and Roxy and Billy and Sally and the dog and me and Dad, we're all home alone. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the perspective, right? Moms, I mean, you get that. Um, don't leave God's priorities to your precious children, of, of, to, the, to the preacher or to the church or to the Sunday school, whatever. Take them and embrace them, and God will bless you as a result. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would just continue to lead us as we uh, close our time with a, a song. And Father, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for the influence they've had on our lives. And Lord, as Christians, we know that we can have a positive spiritual impact on our kids if we're willing to take the word of God, embrace the Savior, and do it the way you call us to do it. And Lord, we just pray for each mom here today that you'd give her a good day. Father, I pray that you would bless her and let their families be blessings to them. And and Father, we just pray that you would uh, help us to remind ourselves, that um, uh, the, the role of, of moms in our lives are just so very important, and we live in a society where they're downplayed almost today. And Lord, we thank you that we're in a church that exalts uh, fatherhood and, and motherhood, and uh, mostly we exalt you as our Savior, and we expect you to give us the power and the, the equipping to do the task that you've called us to do as parents. And so, Lord, I pray that we would leave this place encouraged this morning. And we pray for each family represented that you would bless them, encourage them, give them a good day today. 
We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.